Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello, all you good humans, and welcome back to Good Humans Podcast. My name's Cooper Chapman, and wow, what an epic start to 2022 it's been. I'm very grateful. I've had a lot of good surf time, and yeah, looking forward to kicking off a big year of podcasting. We've got some really awesome guests lined up. Today's guest is a really special one. But firstly, I just want to say thanks to everyone who tuned into last week's guest. Taylor Clement is an absolute superstar who's gone through some of the most difficult times you've ever heard of somebody going through their school life. And the way that she's overcome those incredibly tough times and become the person she is today is so, so special. So yeah, big thank you to everyone who's listened to that episode. If you have time after this one, go back, have a listen. I guarantee you'll be so incredibly inspired by the amazing journey that she's been on and yeah just not taking no for an answer when medical professionals told her she wasn't going to be able to live a normal life and she was going to be going through some incredibly tough times the whole way through her life she really took it upon herself to yeah improve her quality of life and yeah where she's at today really really inspires me so big thank you to everyone who's tuned in and had a listen to that also, everyone who's sent us a message on Instagram or tagged Good Humans Podcast on Instagram, big thank you. It's really important and really special for us to know that we can grow the podcast through social media. And yeah, if you listen to any episode, you enjoy the episode, make sure you tag us on social media, share it on your story because we know how much value these podcasts are having, not only in my life, but in so many of yours, but it's based on the feedback, based on the reviews that you leave us on Apple Podcasts. So yeah, if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you tag us on social media, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or leave us a review because I read every single one of them and it warms my heart. It's a great way for us to improve, but it's also a great way for us to know we're on the right track with these incredible conversations. And yeah, on to today's episode. This is a man that doesn't need much of an introduction. This guy is one of a great, a great friend of mine. He's an ambassador for the Good Human Factory, and he's just an all-around amazing human. He's got more world first in scooter and BMX riding than anybody else. He can do incredible tricks. He's got the best aerial awareness you'll ever see in a human. But what really, really pumps me up about this guy is his mindset, the way that he's all based around fun. He really lives to his why, and he really makes sure that he tries to bring up the people around him with him. And he hasn't had it all easy. Being a scooter kid in the skate park at a young age is quite difficult, but... Yeah, Ryan Williams is a man that we can all be inspired by, we can all learn from, and yeah, hopefully we can all get extremely pumped from. I know this conversation was really awesome for me. We've been trying to have it for quite some time. I got to come up to our Willy Land, which is his extreme sport wonderland that he's building, and yeah, we had a really good chat. little pre-warning, there is a bit of cicada noise in the background for this chat. You shouldn't be able to pick it up too much, just don't think your headphones or speakers are broken. It was just a very, very loud hot summer's day when we recorded this earlier in the week um yeah lots of cicadas he lives in a well he's our willy land is in this really crazy old mango farm so there's lots of bugs and you might be able to hear it a little bit in the background but hopefully it doesn't take away too much from this chat and yeah we'll jump straight into it welcome to good humans podcast ryan williams yeah thanks for stoked we could finally make it happen yeah, I mean, we've been friends for a bit over a year now and we've been talking about jumping on the podcast for quite some time and never really lined up. I've been trying to get up to our Willy land where we're sitting today to record this podcast, but yeah, it's finally nice to sit down, but I guess let's jump back to the start. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and yeah, who's Ryan Williams? Um, so the start, I guess, firstly, obviously my name is Ryan Williams. I uh, am an athlete for Nitro Circus. And I ride a scooter and a BMX and kind of everything that I can get my hands on uh, here at our Willie Land. But uh, yeah, I've uh, done X Games, won X Games a few times now. And um, basically my whole life's just been action sports ever since I can remember. I think since maybe I was eight years old, I was just at the skate park. And then from then 
I just every day I was just that kid down the skate park and that's what that was my jam yeah I love that you're obviously one of the most talented extreme sports athletes in the world for people who don't know make sure you check out our Willie on Instagram and on YouTube because he's an absolute megastar on there but Today, we're going to talk a little bit about your life, a little bit about what's got you to where you are today and kind of those things that have helped you get through those down points in your life and those ways that you've got to the extreme highest of high achievements. I mean, I think you've probably got the most world first tricks in a sport out of or multiple sports out of any other athlete of all time. So that's probably something that we'll talk about today that you should be really proud of. But let's rewind back to the start. Let's go back to where you grew up what it was like at school for you and then yeah what got you into skateboarding I mean skateboarding what got you into going to the skate park from such a young age yeah um all right so basically I was born in Victoria I didn't uh, spend much time there really maybe I did like preschool I didn't do grade one or anything there I think maybe I might have went to start there but then my parents broke up and then my mum moved up here because my nan lived here and we we're living with my mum's mum uh here on the sunshine coast basically and i did grade one and two there and i i don't really remember i didn't really ride that much at that point i mean i was like grade one so i'm not sure exactly what age that is but i was quite young but i i did love watching like sports i was into sports at school um moved up to townsville for a year because my mom found a boyfriend but all this whole time i didn't really mind that like my mom and dad were split up i never really like it never really, I never really, I was too young to understand. Mm. But when I did start riding, it was actually kind of cool because I was like, I would go see my dad in New South Wales and there'd be new skate parks for me to ride, you know? So that was like that kind of stage. But I feel like it really kicked off when I was around, yeah, uh, eight years old. I think I just got some rollerblades. All I had was rollerblades in my garage. It was like, I seen this, this movie called uh, Ultimate X and it's like an X Games movie. And I'm like, man, I want to like do action sports. This mm. is like so cool. So I remember all I really had in my garage was rollerblades because my mom would take me to the roller drone. And that was like kind of the most extreme I would get like before I was eight years old. It was just the roller drone falling over. <laughs> but then, um, yeah, pretty much went down the skate park on my rollerblades when I was like eight. And I was the only rollerblader there. Like there was a few rollerbladers that I would randomly see, but it was like seeing a unicorn, you know? It was like once in a blue moon, a rollerblader would turn up at the skate park but I didn't care because that's all I had was rollerblades. And like, it gave me the feeling that I get now even riding scooter BMX, you know, just learning something new, pushing your limits, like feeling that fear, but then overcoming it. Mm. And I think that's kind of like what I fell in love with. What I fell in love with was just having that fear, knowing it's there, but being able to overcome it and like learn the new trick. And that was like, the the thing that caught me got me caught with action sports I yeah think. it's so i love hearing that part of your story that it started with rollerblading at the skate park but the way that you talk about it and the way that you can still see your face lights up it's never been about like having the best equipment or doing no anything or having anything more than anyone it's just about being at the skate park and enjoying yourself and yeah. then progressing and progressing so what was it like growing up for school for you, for starters, like that primary and high school? Obviously, high school would have got a bit funny with all the travel I'm guessing you were doing. But yeah, being coming from, I mean, living with your single mom and mm -hmm. being an only child, what was it like kind of, what was school like for you? And then what was it like getting to go to the skate park after school? Yeah, so, um, well, primary school for me, I did pretty well. Like I was a pretty good student. I liked school. Um I did like I would get te I did get teased a little bit here and there just for my looks when I was young, but um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. Like obviously I didn't have as much as other kids, but I, I like for me I never even thought about that. And that mm. it never was a thing in my mind. But like looking back now, I was like, oh hey, I actually well we didn't have internet. That was one thing, but I didn't care. Like I would just go to my friend's house to get internet, especially when I first was like riding. So just to bring it back to that, like I couldn't upload a video to the internet. But that was like the coolest thing for me, like just to being able to see, like show people like what I'm doing because that's what other riders were doing at the time. So I would like go to my mate's house just to upload videos. And, um, but that was just like, because obviously my mom couldn't afford it. We were a single parent household, but it was like not bad at all. Mom looked after me so well. She obviously grew me into the person I am today. So she did something right, I think. But um, yeah, school was... It was all right. I enjoyed it. Primary school, I actually got entrepreneur, the entrepreneur award in grade eight. So that's like most likely to succeed. Love so that. going into high school, which is kind of like, I don't know if that like, if I was already on the path, maybe that set me on this path, but it was kind of a little boost there. 
And then high school was a bit funny, yeah, because I obviously would go to the skate park. I was never really super popular. Mm. Even when I started doing Nitro Circus, I wouldn't, I didn't really act differently. That's the thing. Like no one, if you didn't know I went to Nitro Circus on the weekends, you wouldn't know. Like I don't, I wouldn't like tell everybody, but obviously I would be putting videos up on the internet. Like Mm. not, not at the time I wasn't really doing YouTube in the way that I'm doing it now where it's like vlogging. It was kind of just more. I'd stack all this footage and go, yeah, check this out kind of thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think obviously riding a scooter, you got, I got teased. You know, when I first started, it was like, I was, I didn't care. I was a 12 year old kid. So I was like, they're like, what are you riding a scooter for? Like, you're not going to get anywhere in your life. And I'm like, bro, I'm 12 years old. I don't, I'm like just having fun, you know, yeah. like I should just be having fun. That's all I was focused on. So it didn't really affect me too much. But I think being teased in school kind of like helped me go it was like you know you get teased in school and then you just learn to get over it like you, you just learn to be happy with yourself mm. and then once you do that then it doesn't really matter like what people say you're like oh you can brush it off more and then the same thing when i started riding scooters it's like i already had that little wall built you know where mm. it was like people would give me grief for riding a scooter but i'd already been teased for what i look like at school so it was kind of like the same kind of attitude that i was just receiving so i was just like oh yeah like you can give me all the grief you want, but I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm riding a scooter. I'm having fun. And that's like what really matters to me. Yeah. You like, it looked like you built resilience from such a young age. So what was the transition like from rollerblades to scooter? How, how'd that story start? Yeah. So, well, I rode rollerblades for like about four years, I reckon. Like, but I, the thing was, I was just like by myself mm-hmm. and all my mates, my mates were riding like a BMX at the start. They were riding BMX or skateboard. Like, it was just like a, a community and I was like that one rollerblade kid, you know? And they were all like riding a skateboard or a BMX or then eventually scooters. And then I found like a bunch of my mates started riding scooters, like a lot of them, like maybe 10 out of 15 people at the skate park that I knew they were riding scooters. And I would find myself borrowing their scooter and their shoes because obviously I'm a rollerblade. Like I didn't need shoes at the skate park. I would just rollerblade to the park, rollerblade, rollerblade home you know i didn't need Mm. shoes so if i wanted to ride a scooter with them which was super fun and i found so enjoyable because it was with people you know it was like more interactive more community like it was i was competing with people around me like having a fun competition kind of vibe and i feel like i just love that aspect so i found myself just borrowing people's shoes just so i could learn tricks with them and then yeah eventually got my own scooter brought my own shoes to the skate park (laughs) and uh yeah kind of just kicked off from there but i would still bring like my scooter and my rollerblades that was like a thing that i always did was i would i wasn't always just set on one thing i was just like whatever i'm feeling Mm. whatever my mates are doing whatever comes to me at that point like that's what i'll do and it didn't matter i wasn't really trying to progress in one thing i was just trying to have as much fun on everything yeah it's it's so cool that your whole why basically is always around fun and it yeah. still is to this day and it's so fun hanging out with you and that's why <laughs> i mean we're sitting in our willy land right now which is an absolute fun park for extreme sports and it's so yeah. cool that you've created a space for your friends to be able to come and have fun which we will talk a little bit about as we go on but i want to go so a scooter rider at 10 11 years old what was the journey into becoming a professional athlete because i know you did start quite young and i know you did become quite high level at a very young age so how was that being so young and then having maybe not the spotlight put on you but having sponsors and how was that transition yeah um it's kind of hard to remember what it felt like it was almost like you're just doing something that you enjoy and then all of a sudden you get like kind of little bonuses from it and then you just kind of like are riding the train but i was just having fun and i knew that like the key to being my best self was just enjoying it as much because the more you enjoy something, the more you do it, the more you progress. You know, you could go out there and take like a really, like, a, I don't know, I don't want to like take away from anything, but like a like a training regime. You know, you can go out there and do a training regime for a month and like you're going to kind of burn yourself out, you know, whereas you could just go out and have fun for half a year. Like, mm. and it's the same, like, even though the month of training might get you to a high level quicker, you're just going to, it's going to become less and less enjoyable Mm. and you're going to burn yourself out so it's more about the long haul you know i was just having fun and even though all these opportunities were coming it was like i was just sitting there just trying to still just enjoy it all and have fun and obviously that's easy when you're like 12 years old doing these 
scooter competitions and just touring with your mates. So I don't know. It, it kind of just progress. It was weird. The thing that was weird about it was that like when, when you start getting these opportunities, the people around you don't get those opportunities or, or they like don't get as much opportunities as you. And then sometimes that kind of creates um, a bit of a weird dynamic, dynamic, you know, mm. and you, you're like, there's nothing you, you want to bring them with you, but it's like, you can't, yeah. Bring, you can't bring them with you because that's not just that's not kind of how it worked until you get to a high level when mm. you know you, I can give them opportunity to do this kind of stuff. But I definitely like at the skate park. There was a good year or two where I got sponsored and I got to do things that others didn't. So they like put me down. And there was a good two two years or year of my life where I would go to the skate park and. Um, I would just ride with headphones in and like people, because if, if anyone hung out with me, then some of my old mates would like, they would put them down and be like, Oh, you're sucking up to him because like, he's this guy that gets to do stuff now. And like, if you hang out with him, you're just like a kiss ass. Why would you hang out with him? That's an Australian thing too. It's so sad. Like tall poppy syndrome is like, crazy how like in america you don't get that it's like in america it's the opposite the kids all want to hang around with that kid because of the opportunity we're in in australia we want to like bring people down to our level which is the stupidest shit ever especially when somebody like as nice as you like you want to bring your mates with you like there is definitely people who get success and let that separate them but people like yourself and like i feel like our friendship group almost they're all people that are like no there's enough you should be stoked when your mates are doing well because that yeah. gives you an extra opportunity to be stoked rather than only being stoked when you do well. Yeah, but you learn that. Like, obviously, it was all young, you know, yeah. at 14, 15, 16 years old, and it's really hard to get a grasp on things. You're kind of just, like, living in your own little tunnel and you're, like, you don't really... You don't see that if someone else is successful next to you, like, it helps you or, like, mm. you can benefit from that by, like, seeing what they're doing or even just looking out and, like, getting inspiration from what they're doing and incorporate in your life but yeah it was for i the, to be honest when i look back I, i'm glad it happened because it was just another thing that helped me be able to push myself in my own mind you know i didn't need i didn't need people around me saying good job or that was that was amazing like i didn't have that for a year or two mm-hmm. and that like i could just be in my own mind and just progress w- with myself and then if you have that you're you can be unstoppable you know mm-hmm. you can you can just feed off yourself you don't need anyone's backing which i love having like obviously it was i love it like i love being able to have a backing and like my friends and family supporting me that's amazing but to to, if you know that in your own mind you can do it yourself it like it's like a i don't know it's like a almost a like a i don't know yeah good motivator yeah and i think it's cool like watching you and understanding kind of the way your career's panned out being more around being and I think it stems from that, from being your biggest own competitor rather than trying to like go and do the like scooter events, yeah. the generic way, I guess you'd call it. You've gone the route of entertaining people, inspiring people and really trying to just bring people up with you and not just be all about yourself, which is I feel like a lot of competitions and stuff become, well, a lot of athletes become about pleasing everybody else and trying to be the best so they look good yeah. to sponsors and they look good to fans. Whereas I can see with you, it's always about trying to, do a new trick and doing it a thousand times yeah. until you get it. But for your own personal satisfaction, yeah. not to try and impress somebody else. And it sounds like that kind of reflective right now, back on that, those couple of years where you were just by yourself and trying to better yourself, mm. set you up for the great success that you've had now. So let's talk a little bit about that. You're super well known for making edits of trying to trick hundreds and hundreds of time until <laughs> yeah. you get it. What's the process for you when you like want to, want to nail a new trick? Yeah, well, honestly, like nowadays, I mean, it was the same. I think, I don't know what happened to me, but something happened where if I try to trick like 10 times, that was it. Like I'm just trying that trick until I fall over or my phone dies, like I can't capture it. Like obviously I want to capture it. So it's like my, my, my only excuse to stop just started to be the, the phone dies, the camera dies, or the sun goes down or I'm too hurt and I can't do it. That just, there was a point where it just a switch went off and that was just how I was wired. And it was almost like a, a blessing and a curse because there were some days where I wouldn't land it and I would be trying a trick for 600 tries or six hours. I would try a trick for like over multiple days. I would just come back and try it because it was just there. Like 
it was so close yet so far. It was like, I, I always believe, that's one thing I've always done is, I always believe that the next try is it. Mm. Like, I, you just have to. And if you don't have that mindset in action sports, like if you have doubt, that's when like things can go wrong. And I feel like it's so much mental in action sports mm. that it's like, I, I don't feel like, I never felt like no one could achieve, like, I don't feel like I have a physical advantage over people. I think all it is is sometimes just mental. You just need to be like, crazy a little bit yeah speaking, <laughs> speaking of crazy what's your relationship like with fear and how, how has it developed from being younger to now hitting mega ramps and doing more worlds first than anybody else because doing a world's first yeah you don't have something to go off you don't have a blueprint to go off it's all yeah. about your imagination and then your ability to push fear to the limit without mm. hopefully not hurting yourself yeah i think that what happens is your fear doesn't fear doesn't get less your confidence gets higher mm. so it's like your belief in yourself you're building bricks like each trick i was scared of and then landed is another brick in the wall of my confidence you know mm. so it's like i built this wall where i know okay like i am scared to try this but i know that i've done something similar or i've done some sort of movement or i've calculated out, out in my head a hundred times and this is what should be happening so it's like my confidence is built and that's the reason why I can kind of drop in these days and just go, this is what I want to try. This is how I think I do it. This is how it has played out in my head. And I've done that for multiple tricks before and it works. So let's go. Let's see if like this will play out how I envision it. Yeah. Because I feel like after doing a sport for 15, 20 years, it's like writing your name with your eyes closed. Like you believe you can do it. You're not really that scared. I mean, obviously the risk isn't the same, but <laughs> you know, if someone said, I'll give you a hundred dollars, if you can write your name, per, like write your name and it, so I can read it, close your eyes. And if you can do that, I'll give you a hundred dollars. And if you can't do that, you give me a hundred dollars. Like even though you have that fear that you won't write it, well and you have to give them a hundred dollars you know in your mind you know you have belief in yourself you have confidence that you can write your name because you've done it a hundred times mm. you know with your eye you could do this I like so that, you just it? do it you know That's so the same analogy. with me in my head when i ride scooter bmx trying something new it's like i can do this trick in my mind with my eyes closed you know i can do it in my mind and i'm so confident that it's going to play out that way that i drop in and do it try it yeah, it's it's that's a really good analogy. I like that. It's like you you've brought with the money part of it. You brought the risk in yeah. by saying, "Oh, you have to give them a hundred dollars." It's a really good analogy. It makes sense. Like if you have that confidence in yourself, then you should be able to achieve almost anything. A really good quote and a mantra that I try and live by that I've spoken about multiple times on this podcast is the act of confidence comes before the feeling of confidence. Yeah. And so many people are waiting for that feeling of confidence before they even take the leap. Yeah. But sometimes you need to start doing the motion. Yeah. Does that kind of make sense to you? Cause I yeah, feel like 100%. that would link up a lot with the stuff like with the world's first, you're not going to feel confident until you actually do the action. No way, so I yeah. think it's a good little. And it, it's like, obviously in action sports, it's, it is a lot of trial and error, mm. but the thing is, we're not just daredevils. We're not just like going, oh, I'm just going to huck this and hopefully it works. It's, we have calculated it in our heads so much. We know that like, we, we I like know what's going to happen before I try it. And that's the only reason I try it. Mm. And sometimes it's not right. Sometimes you fall, sometimes you crash, sometimes something goes wrong. But if you're calculated and you're, 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 you're under, you understand the physics and what's going to happen, what you're going to feel, what you think you're going to see, if that's all there and it lines up most of the time, then like you can have confidence in your ability. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So let's go to the journey of our Willie now. So grew up riding scooters, got really good, got sponsored. What was the journey into, let's say Nitro Circus, let's sort of fast forward to there and yep. let's talk about because scooter riders, let's face it, grew up, probably when you were like in your heyday, there was no scooter riders in Nitro Circus when you first did it. How did you first get to hit a mega ramp and how did you get introed into Nitro Circus? Yeah, so I was um, I was doing a lot of you I did YouTube videos, but these were like edits, you know, stuff yeah. that you save up, you put together and you put it out. Like you save up for a year or so or six months and then you put somebody, all your best stuff in. On together. somebody else's internet though, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at the start it was. I think I eventually had internet before I got a Nitro. <laughs> and then uh, I was doing tours like with scooter companies, like my sponsor at the time, um, mad gear they were like a scooter company 
and they had a team and they were like one of the first companies to actually fly a team over to America. So I had done like a, some tours with them, which was just kind of like going around doing meet and greets, uh, filming like an edit of the whole thing. So I had experience on tour, but not to that scale mm. and no ramps to that scale. So the thing is, I was just doing that, putting videos out. People knew about me and Nitro Circus came to a company called Scooter Hut because they paid money to have a stall out the front of Nitro Circus, right? So they're a scooter company and a scooter shop, sorry. And they paid to have a stall out the front. And then Nitro Circus came to them and said, hey, look, we have Scoots, which is Andrew Passard. He was an old scooter company owner. And he still owns it, actually. It's called Proto. He was on tour with them. And he happened to, I'm not sure how exactly he got on tour, but he was like an older guy. So I think, oh, I don't know. Maybe he was like my age now, but back then. Mm. So he was an older guy, but he was like doing a backflip and he would try to do like some tricks that were like deep, fairly decent. But like the new age kids were doing these new tricks that were like real freaking crazy, like mm. just hucking themselves because they're 17 years old. You know, you, you feel just invincible. Yeah. So anyway, Nitro Circus said, hey, we want get three riders from Australia. They're doing Australia to it at that time. And they were like, we want three riders. And I happened to be one of those riders. And they said, hey, look, you were the first guy we thought of because of your YouTube video that you put out and it's insane. You're doing all these crazy tricks. We think you can like do pretty well on this ramp. And at the time I hadn't hit probably a quarter of the size. Like this, this ramp is like 60 foot high. Mm. Like it's a 60 foot roll in. I've never been near a ramp that big. I've never seen a mega ramp. I've never been near anything like that. So it was like, but I'm like 17 years old, you know? So I'm like, let's do this. So you hadn't hit one till you are about seven. Nitro was 17. I was 17 when I got on Nitro Circus. And what was the first time like you hit the mega ramp? Did you hit one into an airbag or something? No, before? no, 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 no. This is the Nitro Circus tour. This isn't like, there's no practice. Like there's a practice before the show, before the people are there. But the practice jump is the jump. Let's talk about the first time you walked up that ramp to hit at Nitro Circus. Yeah, so I remember seeing the ramp and I was like, oh my gosh, like there's no safety net on this thing. Like there's no, but that's just how it is. They're on tour, like they're me now. Mm. They've been doing tour. I mean, it actually wasn't too old. They've been doing it for like two years maybe or a year before I started. So there's no practice ramps. There's no airbag. It's just a 60 foot roll into a 40 foot jump. And I'm like, okay, we walk up and I remember my mate, Max Peters, he went first and he went too far because he didn't like drag his foot enough and he front flips, does a one and a half front flips because it's like so big, you don't know how slow to go. And he lands, like doesn't even touch his feet, lands and hurts his shoulder and can't even ride. And I'm like, oh my gosh, all right, I'm the next test dummy. So sure enough, I'm looking down this ramp and it's four times bigger than anything I've ever dropped, but this is my opportunity to do well get on nitro maybe like even like it wasn't even guaranteed to be in the show yet it was just kind of test these guys out see how they go i um drop in and you had to drag your foot to slow down for speed i put my foot down so hard because i'm nervous that my back wheel goes up and i'm like nearly doing a nose manual down this ramp so then i freak out put my foot back on and launch off the ramp go a little bit too far and over rotate but not as bad as my mate like i just kind of like bailed onto my feet and then like tumbled down but then straight after that i'm like okay now i know like i have that memory in my mind what i need to do how hard i need to throw this trick to to land it and i went back up and i'm pretty sure my second trick was a front flip no hander so i like stepped up the trick but i knew what i was doing so i could slow it down and then landed it and then um Went through a few tricks there and then there was this one world first trick that I really wanted to do. And it was a double front flip. No one had ever done it before on a scooter, but I knew it would work on that ramp. And I remember I just sent it. Like everyone's watching. At this point, Travis Pastrana's there watching. Like all the moto guys are there. Like I am in front of my idols. So I'm like ready to send it. Drop in, huck a double front flip. I think I just like, I don't know. I like maybe under rotated, fell over. And then they're like, all right, one more jump. And then I went again, double front flip, landed like one foot, slipped over. Everyone was like, yeah, that was sick. Let's get this guy in the show. And so the next day was the show. We did the show and I like landed a few tricks and then stomped the world's first double front flip in that show. That's so cool. Like that must've felt so special having like your idols there and doing stuff that had never been done before. It was crazy because it was just like this opportunity that I had 
And it was like one of my, obviously in foresight, it was the biggest opportunity in my whole life. Mm. I think, I think that that moment there was like a huge upkick in mm. my, my like life yeah, because I remember clearly like I like landed this trick and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like insane. But then the thing I remember most is I was walking back from landing the trick, like back up to like backstage and Travis Pastrana, like on the way to the back, high five me and I was like, that was so damn sick. That was like, he was like, that was a sick, one of the sickest things I've seen on Scooter or something. Like something in, along those lines. I don't really remember exactly mm. what he said, but I just remember getting props from him and being like, wow, this is like my one of my idols, the guy that I've literally grown up ever since I first watched action sports. He was on that first movie mm. and here I am. And I just did a world's first. I just did like my greatest achievement of my life so far. And he props me and like, I just remember that was like a moment that just kicked me into gear. And from then on, I was on Nitro Circus from every every show. It's so cool. Like that inception. And like you said, maximizing that opportunity and in extreme sports and in all life, having that, uh, making sure that you maximize opportunities when they arise and trying to really lift to the level. How do you think you over and over again seem to maximize those opportunities what sort of mindset do you go into those things is it like i'm not going to get this again or is it like you know what i'm just going to own this oh, it's so hard to put myself in the mindset like obviously i got to think because it's like what am i thinking when i'm doing this x games what am i thinking when i'm doing nitro world games it's like i don't know it's so weird because in my mind i i don't like the feeling of competition like it feel like i get nervous i get I feel almost sick, like, and it's weird, but that brings the best out of me. Mm. Even though I'm, I get nervous and I get like, and I fear that I'm not going to do well. It brings it the best out of me somehow, and I feel like my whole the reason why my career has gone so well is just because somehow I managed to capitalize on the moments that are given to me, and I, I feel like that's like the one of the biggest things for achieving greatness in any sport or anything is kind of like what you said, like a, being able to perform when the lights are on, being able to achieve or do your best when in the moments mm. that are given to you that are most important. Yeah. And I think even just thinking back to the start of this chat, the amount of time you spend at the skate park and the amount of times that you just not give up and keep going hundreds and hundreds of yeah. time like you fall to the level of your training and like it sounds like your training and the amount of time and effort you put in i know now especially at our willy land like it's scary to think what's going to come the next couple of years for you but mm. one of the things that i love most about you and your whole psyche is the way that you still are completely authentically yourself let's talk about your youtube journey because i think it's really interesting the way that you've taken on your career in a little bit different of a light than most people i'd say in extreme sports most people go very strictly down the competitive route try and win events Mm -hmm. which you've won multiple gold medals at x games but i know from the start it's been more about for one having fun like you've talked about but for two inspiring kids and trying to make people just realize what's possible out there what what's been the mindset around that with your youtube and trying to be really yourself i think that it's just like I don't know. It's. I think it's a more enjoyable path. I think it's the easier path too. Like, who knows? Like, maybe it isn't easy to gain lots of fans, and but I just feel like it's more natural mm. in the way I go about things. Like, I feel like it's really hard for me to. Obviously, like I would try to compete on a work like that. I would try to be at the Olympics if I really felt like. I don't know. I had the passion and drive and willingness to to really get into that mindset. But my mindset is more, I don't know. I want to be able to try a trick a thousand times and then eventually land. I feel like I can, I don't know. I feel like more, I feel like I'm progressing maybe the sport more. I don't know. It's hard to say. I feel like I'm, I like the fact that I can have a thousand tries or something. Mm. Having one try, even though I did X games and that is only what, four, four tries to get a, a run it's a lot different than an olympic run like 60 seconds to do 30 tricks that to me that is the hardest like that is so hard i can't even imagine doing that i can't imagine competing like logan martin i can't imagine competing in that work that like stage but i'm sure if i really had the right mindset and i really wanted to do it i could probably like push to do it and do my best but i just felt like more enjoyable i feel like it's more i get more enjoyment about out of 
inspiring mm. people to just go out there and do like have do be their best. Like yeah. just like Travis Pastrana, I think it's it comes down to when I met Travis Pastrana, he was he felt like my best friend, even though he was like an idol. Yeah. And to me, that was that changed my life. Like that that set me on that uphill trajectory. You know, that changed my life. It wasn't it wasn't all the the effort the, the it wasn't all the training I put in that I didn't feel like that gave me the boost. Mm. Even though it did, obviously it helps to to put in the practice and that's what you need to do. I just feel like there was that moment with Trav that really like changed my mindset and like I feel like if I can do that for anyone, if I can do that for one person, then like that's that's awesome. Like I want to be able to do that. I want to go that route. I want to make our willy land and now my mates are doing well first like yeah. when they couldn't have done it before i think that's that's an amazing feeling to be able to do that and it'd just be so i can't even imagine competing with like logan martin or any of those guys well that was going to be one of my next question it was who inspires you and i know travis does and i got to meet this guy one day he sounds like the biggest legend from speaking to harry and a few other people in, in the industry it just sounds like he's that guy that everyone wants to be around and Watching you talk about him like that and be like, hmm, that's who inspires me, not the guy who's winning multiple, multiple medals and world champs. That's who inspires me the most. I don't want to say that because Logan Martin inspires me so much. Yeah, don't, don't let me take that the drive, you know? But yeah, just Travis, it's just this weird thing about Travis. It's like you you hold Travis up here, but he's right here with you. Yeah. But yeah, it's just the way that his aura is. And I feel the same way around you is, you just want to make people have fun. You want to make people's lives better. And the byproduct is you're a freak talent on a thing. And by doing the thing that you love doing from yeah. riding a scooter to riding a bike inspires people to want to do what they want to do. It's not like competition mindset, mm. win, win, win. It's let's have heaps of fun far out. I've, by having fun, I've created all these new tricks that yeah. now I'm winning gold medals at X Games because exactly. I've got a single trick hit yeah. thing. But the thing that I love coming back to is your way to inspire young people in your way that you use your youtube to just be yourself and make kids have a good time is so special and that's why i love having you as an ambassador with the good human factory and i've been with you to one of your friday ride days which i want to have a quick chat to you about yeah. how fun is it so if anyone let me maybe explain what your friday ride day is and why why you do that yeah so i think one of the main things i did it for is just because Obviously, we were doing Nitro Circus. We're always like on tour. We're inspiring people around us. Like Nitro Circus, that's what I love the most about Nitro Circus is that we go to an event, everyone's stoked. It's like, if you think about it, it's like if you go to a movie that you really want to see, you're like, you're already happy before you're there. Mm. You know, it doesn't even matter if the movie's good. If you're hyped to see the movie, you're already like stoked. So when we do a Nitro Circus show, people are already happy before they even get there. And then just feeling that vibe, you almost feel like the aura of being around like think about when you're with your mates and everyone's happy, you get that aura. It's like you can't be not happy because mm. all your mates are happy. So it's like getting that feeling at Nitro Circus of just everyone's stoked. You're inspiring people. You, when you send something, it doesn't even matter if you crash. Like everyone's just stoked. And I, what happened was the like obviously um, everything shut down, right? So there's there's nothing like that going on anymore. And I almost felt like man, I want to. Like, I was like feeling sad. I was feeling like almost depressed and I'm like, what's going on? Like I'm, I've got this, I've got the land. Like I, I should be stoked still. I'm still pushing myself. I'm still progressing. Like, what am I missing? Why am I feeling this way? Like, why do I feel sad? Fulfilled. Like fulfilled. You yeah. With your nitro, you're fulfilled. fulfilled because you, yeah. And then I, I was like, it's because I'm just like, I love, I obviously love like doing new tricks, being with my mates. There's like five of us. We're just doing well first. It's kind of insane that we're just out here in the middle of nowhere, just doing these crazy tricks, pushing ourselves. But there's like no one there. There's, there's my mates there, but there's like, I'm not really, I'm inspiring them, but it'd be sick to like inspire more people. Like mm. I wish more people could see this. And obviously the YouTube's good. That's why I do it. But then I'm like, what's missing? And it's, I felt like, well, I'm just not getting that. It's almost selfishly. I selfishly wanted to do Friday Ride Day because mm. I wanted to, you know, feel that aura, feel kids like, Feel the stokeness. I wanted to be in inspiration. I wanted kids to be stoked to ride. They weren't riding as much anymore because everyone was stuck inside. They kind of got in this thing like where we couldn't go out for like eight weeks or whatever, where they were just stuck inside and everyone kind of just, you know, like kind of kills your vibe to mm. go out. But I just wanted to reignite that in some people. I wanted to reignite that in kids. I wanted them to go to the skate park and enjoy themselves that one time because I know that once they do it that one time, it's going to ignite that fire again and they're going to start back up. So it was just a, it was for myself 
and it also helped other people. And I just, what it is, is basically every Friday I go to a skate park, I give out a bunch of stuff, get kids stoked to go there, film a video. They love being in the videos and interacting and seeing themselves on YouTube. Just getting people stoked to go outside, go to the skate park, just like I did, and just reignite that fire in people's belly to go out there and like just be your best self. Well, and then it's so, and the coolest thing is like, I remember as a pro surfer when I met like Kelly Slater or Mick Fanning for the first time, they're the moments that you remember in your life that inspire you to maybe shoot for the stars with yeah. that sport. And it's so special for someone of your level, someone who's multiple gold medal winner of X mm. Games, who's main rider of Nitro Circus, who's multi-million bloody followers <laughs> on Instagram and whatnot. But for you to still reach out to your young community and be like, hey, I'm going down the skate park, come down guys and hang out with me. Like you obviously know how much it means to them, but it's so like, and you know how much it means to you. That's the yeah. cool thing. Like you say, it feels like you're doing it selfishly, yeah. but at the same time, like every, like you must love every time you go down there. Like I've been there with you and you're like, let the kids ride your scooter. Like, yeah. you know, those kids go home and we'll talk about that for weeks. Like we're literally driving up here today. Mm. We stopped off at an IGA and picked up a case of waters and there was like four kids scooters out the front. Like, yeah. and I said to you, like, that must make you like, stoked just to see like kids riding their scooters around then they're like hey can we get your autograph yeah and you've got permanent markers in your bag at all times for when kids come up to you like it's really special to that you have that understanding on how much it means to them but mm. instead of being like a lot of athletes and a lot of let's say high profile people once we, we all say we want to be famous and then they get there and they kind of segregate and mm. try and think they're too cool whereas you've like gone the opposite route and went man, this is a, a bigger opportunity to help yeah. more people rather yeah. than look at it like, oh, I don't want to have to be out there. I think, I think it was just because I, like, Travis Pastrana did that for me. And mm. it, the thing was, that was 10 seconds out of Travis's life. Like, that was 10, he gave me 10 seconds and he gave me my life of, like, achievement nearly. Mm. Like, if he didn't give me that 10 seconds, it might have fully changed like my trajectory mm. like it might not have it, but just the just the fact that he would give me 10 seconds and it meant so much to me mm. just tells me from that day i knew that if look if i ever get wherever i get like i'm always willing to give someone 10 seconds of my day because yeah. you never know how much it means to them it might it might not really mean much to them but it might mean a, a, a lot and yeah. it might really help them it might really change the trajectory of their life so why not just give it them 10 seconds even if even if i'm in the worst mood even if i'm upset even if i'm hungover every time that happens you i just i always remember that moment that 10 i always remember that 5 seconds 10 seconds a minute of my life can really mean something to someone so i'm always going to give it to them yeah and, and it means some, yeah. yeah to the kids like it's crazy how much like I said, me looking back to my surf career, you look at your career, it seems like a lot of people who like, let's say make it, mm. have those moments that by that high profile figure touching them live and it takes special people like you to continually go out there and do that, yeah. which can really help people. I'm conscious of time because we are going to go hit your mega ramp soon, but uh, that's what I want to talk about. Let's talk about our Willy Land because like you said, to get the opportunity to, for you, you were at the very top tiny percent of scooter riding and that's what got you that opportunity to even try the nitro circus ramp but that doesn't happen for everybody mm -hmm. how special has it been for you building our willy land to give other people the opportunity because i've listened to you talk about it before saying like oh i'm stoked as many people i can get to come and try it whereas some people will build that you hear of it top athletes all the time building their special ramp so that they can get all, get ahead of everyone whereas yeah. you've built this to be almost like a place for everyone else to like come with you and like yeah. how how fun's that for you it's amazing like i love it it's the best thing the my one thing i love about it is just the fact that like when i was growing up obviously i got these opportunities i got to go do nitro and i got to ride these amazing ramps i went to travis Pastrana's house he had something like similar and just being able to do that the, the amount of things that i unlocked like the amount of world's first tricks that just opened up my mind. I've got that, like, it's like a, he gave me a key to open up this realm of impossibility that now is possible. I wanted to give that key to my mates. And now being able to do that, it's just proven that if people have the key, if they have the access, amazing things happen. Like my friends that I rode the skate park with when I'm 12 years old, now they're here doing world first tricks. Like what if they had the key with me back then you never know what mm. what could have happened. Like they could have, they could have been the 
the four times X Games medalists or whatever, you know, they could have been that, but it's just awesome that I can open up that now. And obviously I think to be play devil's advocate, it's like not very, it's not the safest thing. So you can't just be anyone and come yeah. out here and send yourself. But if you can prove it, I love the fact that now, if you can prove your, your, your skill way, level. you know, your skill level that you can do it safely, then sure, sure. Come out. I want to see like where people, I guess people get closed up and they think, Oh, I got to be the best so I can progress. But it's like, I'm happy. I'm so content. I was, I've been so content for so long. Mm. I was content before I bought our Woodland Land with what I had. So it was like now everything extra I'm getting is just like this bonus that I want to share. So once I got to that point, it was like, what can I do? Hey, let's build. I want to build something where like Travis's. I want to mm. build my own thing and I want my mates to be able to ride it. I want to see what they can do. And I just got to the point where I could do that. So I said, okay, I'm going to spend the money. Like it's a lot of money. Not everyone mm. can do it, but I had, I can, I can do it. So let's do it. And it's been the best, one of the best things I've ever done in my life. And I think that people just worry too much about what, where they are at. Cause maybe they're not like, maybe they're not satisfied with where they're at. And that's why they don't want to like expand. They don't want to let other people in to do it because they might overtake them. But I was just at a point where it's like, I f I'm so content. This is where scootering is. This is where action sports is. Let's try push it up further, mm. like together. Because if a hundred people are riding my rant, that's going to push action sports way more than if I'm just riding my rant. So let let's open the floodgates, see what happens. And I'm so glad I did because hundreds, hundreds, over a hundred well firsts have gone down on this ramp just here. So it's like if I never open it up, that's a hundred steps back for action sports. Yeah, it's like all a rising tide makes all ships rise. Exactly. It's like you might get a world's first pro surfer do a backflip on a track today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but I want to go to two last little things. Let's talk about X Games because competition, I mean, obviously you're a very competitive person. You have to be more so with yourself, but how special has it been to be on that, that world stage? X Games is a video that you watched from a mm. very young kid for when the opportunity arose to compete in X Games, how special was that? And then, yeah, talk me through. Let's talk. Talk me through the last gold medal that you won, where you did the backflip drop in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, X Games was kind of like the pinnacle. Like I could, it was it was quite of hard to get in because it's like obviously an invite kind of deal. Mm. And I was just doing Nitro Circus. And Nitro Circus, the ramp is a little bit different. It's got a resi on it. It like it's some people are like are a bit weird about it not counting. You, these you can only do it because it's on this ramp. And like, which is, I understood because what I didn't realize actually, like I was kind of blind to the, uh, this, this fact, the fact is if they invite me, someone else loses their opportunity. They only get a set amount of people. And when I was growing up, I was kind of naive about it. I was like, come on, let me do it. Like, why wouldn't you let me do it? I've got all these tricks. I'll do it. I will do my best. Like I can do this. Mm. And they would be like, well, you got to prove it. Go ride this mega ramp here at Woodward, prove that you can do it. And then you'll get an invite. And I was just kind of like, but look what I'm doing. Look at the tricks that I'm doing. And I thought that that would get me an invite. But I didn't realize that me getting invite, an mm. invite is taken away from someone else's opportunity. And mm. it's like, you need to prove you, you, you can do it. And I went out there in Melbourne. It was uh, called the Mega Ranch. And they have a, a Mega Ranch there. And I just said, look, I'm just going to do this. And it was one of the scariest things I ever did. So I understand why they, they couldn't see... I understand why they thought, oh, maybe this isn't going to like, all these like tricks here aren't going to work well. here because this ramp's like made of wood. So whatever I was, but they did, like it did, obviously. But I could see why and I could see why they don't want to take someone else's opportunity and give it to me when I'm just this kid saying that, you know? One thing quickly, I should have done more research. They don't have scooter at X Games, huh? It's just BMX. Just BMX. So that's like probably a good like quick little update to the listeners. So Ryan's one of the well, the best scooter, blah, blah. But then I guess we could backstep just quickly. How did you get into BMX as well? Because there's not many people that have worlds first and are at the very tip top of their sport in two disciplines. And the scooter and riding a bike are completely different things. Yeah, I think that that's actually another thing that probably held me back from getting into X Games the first time is the fact that I was like this scooter. I was, I don't know, I was a, I was a representative of scooter and I didn't care that I was... I was doing well on BMX, but I didn't, I wasn't like, oh no, I don't ride scooters anymore. Don't like a social. I was like, yeah, I do everything. Let's go. But, um, 
pretty much I was, I, I kind of would always ride a bike. Like I had a bike halfway, maybe through, I started riding scooters. My mates rode bikes and I'm just the kind of guy that like, I was riding my scooter, but I jump on a bike. It was mm. kind of the same transition as rollerblades to scooter, scooter to BMX. It's just that sometimes more BMX riders were there. I'd borrow a bike, I'd ride a bike and have so much fun because I was riding with everyone, you mm. know? So then eventually I got my own bike. I would ride the skate park, but then I was doing nitro and uh, I had jumped the ramp a few times on bike and like done a few tricks and I was not too bad. And I was like doing these world first tricks on scooter or doing just tricks in general on scooter that had never been done on bike. And then that, that was, was kind of like this thing like, oh, you can only do those tricks because it's on a scooter. And I was like, I reckon that I could probably do it on a bike too. And then I was like, why just think it like, let's, let's see how this goes. And I remember we had an event at Travis Pastrana's actually. And I grabbed a random, but like Travis, this, I was on cloud nine doing these tricks at Travis on scooter. I was obviously there for, but then there was this jump that you can only ride on bike. And I'm like, let's go. Like, is there a bike? I just grabbed this random bike from his garage. That was like, I don't know, 10 years old or something so heavy. And I'm like, I reckon this trick will work. And it was a front flip, like inward bike flip. Like even today, it's super hard trick for me to do. So I don't know how I did it back then. <laughs> but I, did, I went and I just, I remember doing, I just kind of did the same motion on, as, as I do on scooter, but I just did it with a bike. And obviously the bike's a little bit heavier. This bike was way heavier, but it like worked. And I'm like, look, that trick's going to work on a, on a bike. And then I eventually landed it. It was the world's first trick on BMX. And then I'm like, hey, well, what other scooter tricks are going to work on BMX? And I pretty much just kept grabbing like tricks from what I did on scooter and doing them on BMX. And mm. then eventually I started doing tricks on BMX that I'd never done on scooter and it just kind of helped each other. And then, yeah, I just transitioned to doing both because it was both, they were both working. They were kind of both just complimenting each other. Yeah. It's so cool. Like you probably progressed the sport of BMX more than probably any athlete <laughs> because you've, I mean, I don't know that enough and I'm probably yeah, taking well, away. I'm not, not recently not, made, maybe in the recent, like well, just more so open the eyes and the realm yeah. of new tricks of ways of rotating the bike in different ways that people probably had never really thought of, but you're like, why not? And that's kind of what it takes to progress sports. So yeah, now everyone's worked out. Oh, you can, you, you do scooter and BMX. So yeah, BMX X it games. Might, it might happen in, I don't know, like in surfing what the, like the, the vibe is, but in BMX, there was this vibe where it was like, that's a scooter trick. Mm. Like, we don't do that. That's a scooter trick. Yeah. We're not going to do that, you know? And then all of a sudden, I was like, well, I'm going to do it. And I don't care. Yeah. No, it's cool that you <laughs> And have then the... people thought it was cool. It's like, I don't know, in surfing, is there like tricks like that people weren't doing? And then they're like, oh, that's kind of lame. That's not real surfing. And then eventually, heaps, like someone did it really well or started doing it and then a lot of people started doing it and then now is it like is well, there back in, well back in the day just with aerials in surfing yeah. it used to be like huh nah it, surfing's meant to be on the face of the wave like people would do airs and fall and be like yeah. well, you're just wasting a wave but whereas now if you want to win a competition you got to learn how to do airs so yeah i guess it's that's kind of kind that of... same aspect you know like people are just a bit weird about stuff at first and they're like no keep that away but then it's like but it's actually like cool and it takes skill and if you can land it it's like impressive so yeah. eventually it just became like a turn from, oh, that's a scooter trick. That's keep that in the scooter realm to, oh yeah, that wins X Games gold. Yeah, that's literally what it was like. Like it was just, and it, and the I think the only reason it, ha it works is because I just, it's like when people put it down. If I was like, oh, please forgive me, then maybe then it would never have taken off. But but because I was like, oh, I'm don't I don't mind. If you don't like the trick, then you don't have to watch it. Like don't worry about it. I'll just keep doing my thing. And didn't really listen to anyone that was like, don't do that because that's mm. lame. Yeah. It's... I've been, the, the, my mate Theo Vaughn, he calls me the lame legend or something. It was so funny because I was telling him about the story. Like people just call me lame for doing stuff. And I'm like, I just embrace it. Call me lame. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> call me lame, but try and do what I'm doing. I love it. And that's what it's so cool watching you. And it's almost like you're growing up riding a scooter had made you so resilient yeah. Like thinking back to this whole chat, like at the start where you go to the skate park and get paid out because you're doing stuff that was different and you were getting too good and you were different. Yeah. You kind of embrace that your whole career and not taken, oh, that's lame as a setback. You've taken, oh, that's lame is like, that's lame, but watch me do something that nobody else can do. It's undeniable. You it's know what I mean? It's like, was my, honestly, my burning drive when I first started riding scooter was, you think it's lame? Well, I'm going to try be so good that you don't think it's lame. And yeah. that's kind of like been my mentality for so long. It's like, I just rode a scooter 
as hard and as best to the best of my ability until I change minds. And I, it's crazy to see like now because there is so many people that are like, oh, that we thought it was lame until like you changed my mind. And it's so sick to hear that because like scootering literally gave me my life. Without mm. doing scootering, I wouldn't have become this BMX like X Games gold medalist. I wouldn't have done it without scootering. I can't. I, I yes. you can't prove it, but I just know that like scootering gave me the mindset, it gave me the tricks, it gave me the the passion mm. to be who I am today. So I pretty much owe like scootering in my life. So it's like I'll yeah. give my life to scootering. Yeah, I love that. It's so cool, <laughs> and it's so cool because it's something that, like you said, growing up you got told it was lame, but then you just had that mindset of I'm going to make what you think is lame. So. <laughs> be that and good at it that you... thing it's lame so it's like it's just cool it's like whatever if yeah. i can but if i can change the minds of as many people as i can then i know that the next kids coming up like they might not yeah, receive yeah. that as much um grief as what i received yeah, and gives... that's a sick feeling no nah, i love that we're gonna get let's talk real quickly because yeah. we kind of precursed into the x games gold yeah, yeah. medal the last one that you won we did the flip in yeah can you tell us a little bit about that because x games is a massive stage and you did a trick to win gold that had never been done before in front of a huge crowd i'd never done it before you never yeah well that's what i mean there was nobody <laughs> ever done it before and you did it just on the spur of a moment to yeah. win a gold medal in front of thousands of people and i know it was your third one and never been done three in a row so talk me through that last event yeah so obviously my other x games goals were huge like you can't take away from any of them but i feel like that this this last gold medal at the, on the mega ramp was just one that was like i almost created this fear in my mind because i think there was five people that have got two gold medals in a row on the mega like it's just superstition like obviously mm. it's all in your head but it's like a thing that i was like i want to do this like that was a goal i set for myself and i'm like i'm gonna do this as soon as i won the second one i'm like i gotta step it up i gotta do something like break the curse yeah you know break this curse and let's do it like how can i do it and um how I thought I could do it is by doing that flip drop in the back flip drop off the top. And I know like it was, it was something that oh, I had never done a back flip drop in on BMX. I'd done it on scooter. At, like I can do it at the local skate park. So I knew the mechanics, but I just didn't know to that level, like to that scale, the, the mega ramp at X games is bigger than the one at Nitro circus. So this thing is like, you can't like, if you fell off the side, you just don't live. Like, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see you. There's a way out of and it. And there's no railings on the side of it. No there. railings on the side. So the problem was, so here we go. We're going to X Games. I knew I wanted to do this, right? I didn't know if I could do it. I didn't know if I was going to do it. I just said I wanted to do it. Like, this is my goal. If you don't achieve a goal, sometimes it doesn't matter. Like, I there's a lot of goals I haven't achieved as well. I want to make sure people know that. Mm. There's goals I set for myself that I haven't reached yet. There's goals that I set for myself that I couldn't reach and just we just go to the next goals. Mm. But... I went to the X Games and I'm like, I did my first run and I crashed my first run. And it was just like the warm up one, the one that I wanted to get so that I had a steady ground. You know, sometimes you hold back a little bit in the competition so that you set a ground for yourself so that if you don't pull it, you get, you know, mm. a, you get a less score and that's fine. But you've set that so you're not like dead last, yeah, yeah. right? So we do that. So I crashed that. I crashed my first run. I remember I'm like, oh my gosh, like I hadn't crashed a run too since my first X Games. I was like, oh my gosh, it's happening again. And it was at Minneapolis, sorry to change, but Minneapolis was my first X Games, right? And I'd stacked every run, all except my first one. So I broke my back, right? And I had to keep riding, but that was just like a whole different thing. And it was good it happened because it just fueled my fire. Anyway. Now I'm back in Minneapolis for the first time, right? I've won two gold medals. I've won two gold medals, gone my third, and I'm like, I've crashed my first run, and I remember feeling like, oh no, like it's happening again. It just must be something. Mm. This indoor arena, like it's meant to be the best. It is the biggest X Games of the year, and here I am. I I crashed my first run, and I go up anyway for my second one. I remember I really hurt my foot, but like you just ignore mm. it at that point. And I go up, and then uh, Morgan Wade, one of the comp competitors, he lands the best run he's ever done. Like he is so damn stoked. He, and it was insane. He like did just, some, he did a trick in as well and tricked the gap went super high. And I'm like, wow, this is like, I'm not going to be able to beat this unless I do this run that I, I set for myself, mm. this goal, like this whole run, I have to do this to win or like do well. If 
Like it's not going to compete if I do anything other than this. Mm. And I just was like, this is it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to just try it. And I remember um, it was, so I dedicated to Dave Mira because Dave Mira, he recently passed away. And uh, um, I was like, this is for him because he, he was the first person I ever seen backflip drop in. And I'm like, what a perfect way to like mm. just do this for him. And I remember I looked at the camera, I'm like, this is for you, Dave. And uh, I don't know. I just like believed in myself so much, but I didn't know what was going to happen. I knew uh, like the parameters were set. I knew I had jumped off and I had set the time. This is how much time I had. This is how fast to go. This is the drop. This is how, this is what's it's going to be like. And this is what it's going to, this is how it's going to play out in my brain. Right. I've already done that. And I'm like, let's just go. Let's see if my simulation in my head is what's going to happen in real life. Pedaled in, pulled for a backflip like really hard. And I remember I pulled and like, you don't see, it's hard to, it's hard to even play back the memory, but like you don't really see out of the backflip until you're coming in and it's fine. That's how it feels at the skate park. It's all really kind of feel until the last moment. So I come around, I remember I looked and I was like, enough i had already flipped like way like too much almost and i landed and luckily i didn't sit on my tire because if you sit on your tire it's like pulling the brakes and i would have just tumbled down i land and i land in a manual for like maybe two or three meters two meters probably and the problem is that the ramp i hit there's three ramps on the, the mega ramp there's two on the side which are the 70 foot the biggest jump and there's one in the middle you can't hit the middle off the top rolling the the one the middle one you hit from where where I flipped and I landed, mm -hmm. where I landed is where you drop for the middle one. So I can't hit the middle one. I'll go way too far. So I flip drop obviously into the middle, but I have to turn after I flip drop. And that's the, that was the scariest thing for me because if I was to do it and then land funky and be like off my bike, I can't stop. I have no brakes. I don't run brakes on my bike just because of the feel. Long story, but I just never run brakes on my bike. So here I am, I land sitting backwards. I'm, off, I'm not comfortable. I'm not riding like normal, I, but I have to turn to hit this side, ramp on the right. So I land as soon as I kind of get my um, legs under me, quickly swivel at the bottom. I ride up about three inches of the side. I'm about three inches off the side of the ramp, like fully just cooking, the, cooking it, you know? I ride up. Uh, just the side of the ramp and i know this trick this is nothing from bike flip um like i do it could almost do it with my eyes closed but not in that situation so i'm like all right what do i gotta do okay right right up the side of the ramp i don't even think about it when i picture it in my mind i didn't even think about being three inches off the side of the ramp even though if i went off the side of the ramp i literally would die like it, you you would die because it's the mega ramp landing is up it's not on the mm. ground so when i'm landing i'm still 40 feet off the ground so you can imagine if I go off the side, I am going 20 feet up and 60 feet down. So it's death. But I don't think about that. Next, here we go. Nothing from bike flip. Oh, it's working. It's going, it's going how I planned. It's, I'm going to land this. Okay, now I've got to focus on the, quarter, the 27 and a half foot quarter pipe in front of me. This is all working out. I've just done a, my first ever backflip drop. But now I've got to concentrate about on a 27 and a half foot quarter in front of me. So I land it. I have to put my foot into my wheel to brake slightly because I don't want to go over 20 feet up in the air because I've never, like, it, it's just not. I've only, I've only not pressed the brakes once and that was just like one of the scariest things of my life. Anyway, foot in the brake, boom, right up. Okay, I've done front flares before. I know how to do it. And it's a real, like, the thing about a front flare is like you, you have to do nothing because this ramp's 27 and a half foot tall. If you go like, if you just slightly move your head, you go out to flat. So it's like, I go up, all right, this is what you do, this is what you do, nothing. It's like almost like you have to do nothing. So I go off, like just the slightest movement, and then I'm just set in action. And I'm just like, kind. Of, it's kind of like being on a roller coaster with no, you're not strapped in. It's like, you just set the motion, and then you just end up where you end up. And you just got to like kind of feel, it out. feel what you're doing, see what you're doing, and then landed it. Bang. Crazy. X Games gold medal. Yeah, it's, it's so crazy. I guess to look that up, 2019 X Games gold medal. Yeah, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Check that out on YouTube because I've seen it and it's, it's freaky. And now that you've heard him explain it like that, now go watch it. This all happens in 
about what eight ten, yeah, ten, seconds ten seconds from drop into the th- three tricks within ten Crazy. seconds. Like it's, the amount of st- stuff that goes on in my mind, it's all, it's hard to explain. You can't even. It's like faster than you you can write memory how much you're thinking. Well, you did a pretty good job of it just then. I think people <laughs> listening will all be going and having a look right now because I think it's um incredible to do that and to go to what you've done in your career. I think what impresses me the most though is still the way that you give back to the community and the way that you really try and just have fun with everything. You try and live your why and you keep everything so authentic. It's all about... If you try and be somebody else, eventually it's going to catch up to you and then it's going to go to shit. And you've always been so yourself and it's, think, it's really cool yeah, to watch. Yeah, it's so important. That's the number one thing I think. You just got to be yourself because as soon as you start to put on a persona or like or do be fake, like what happens is it might get you further at the start. But you're not going to – you can't maintain it. Like mm. especially when I started YouTube, that was the number one thing like don't – you don't want to force it. You don't want to be fake because you can't do it forever. Mm. And people start to realize that you've just put on this front. So just be yourself. It might not go, it might not rocket ship you at the start, but you can do it forever. You can be yourself forever. That's mm. the thing. You can't be fake forever. You get, you're either going to give up. People are going to see that you're fake. Like just be yourself. And then you, that's always the best way to do it. Mm. Even if it's not going to, you're not going to, rocket into whatever you're doing straight away it's going to be better in the long term same thing with anything you pick up try to do try to just have fun with it try to enjoy it the more you enjoy something the better you'll be you'll be at it in the long run love that it's going to probably bring me into the very last question very well what does being and this is what i ask every single person on good humans podcast what does being a good human mean to our willy i think it's just to always try to just bring positivity into people's lives and positivity into your life. I think that the people around you, if you can just put on a happy face or like just be positive, I think that that's a good humor. I think that no matter what you're going through, obviously people go through a lot of things. And like, obviously my life's been amazing and you go through things and I've gone through things, but nothing compared to like some people. And I understand that it's hard sometimes to put on a happy face, but I think that if you're just out there doing your best and trying to be as positive as you can with the people around you. I think that you're a good human. I think that you deserve good things. Yeah. I love that. And you're definitely a good human and very proud to have you as an ambassador and flying the flag and always wearing our merch and running the be kind to your mind. And yeah, just showing the world that being a good person, taking care of your mental health and just, yeah, inspiring the people around you is a great way to live. So thanks for jumping on Good Humans Podcast. I'm sure everyone's very stoked to listen. Yeah, if you want to check out R. Willie on socials, I'll leave it all in the show notes. And yeah, hopefully everyone has a great day. You <laughs> Be kind of your mind. This has been a Wellbeing Network podcast. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.